Hello, dear listeners. This is your host, Oshaye. Thank you so much for all of your support thus far. This podcast has grown so much in just a few short months. We are absolutely awed and humbled at the response, and it is always a delight to read from you about the impact we are having. Please do keep them coming. And now, we are down to our final guests for this first season. As we prepare to wrap up the season, I have a favor to ask. Would like your feedback to help us in our plans for the second season. What did you like? What didn't you like? What would you like us to start doing, stop doing, or even continue doing? To get your responses, we've created a simple form. Please, Check the show notes of this episode for the link and our social media pages at Origins AF on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can simply type bit.ly, B for banana, I for interview, C for tangerine, bit.ly slash Origins Africa podcast feedback. Origins is with an S. So bit.ly slash Origins Africa podcast feedback right now to access the form. We are also considering starting a newsletter, which would include the transcripts of each episode and perhaps also three things I learned from each guest interview. If it's something you'd like, please let us know on the same feedback form and also share your thoughts with us on some of the things you'd like us to consider for the newsletter or any other ideas generally. I look forward to receiving your responses. The link again is bit.ly slash Origins Africa podcast feedback. Thank you once again for staying on this ride with us. Enjoy. And at that time, he told me, he said, Ah, Debbie, you can sell these cookies. <laughs> ah, okay. I looked at him with my engineering, with these sleepless nights, you know, studying hard. And in fact, I must confess, I rejected it. And you know, a lot of times they say that, you know, then we had this, uh, when angels pass, when you say a negative word, and angels will pass, they'll just stamp it, you know. So I always say that I thank God that well, that day, did you angel angel <laughs> no angel passed because I rejected the facts. I said, ah, no, 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 no. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on the first episode of our chat with Bola and Debbie Lawson, co-directors of Fastest Foods and Confectionery Limited, we explore the birth and growth of Fastest impact of COVID-19 on the business and how they've adapted, as well as how they've been able to build a successful company together as partners. This is our first partnership series on Origins Africa. I trust many of us are familiar with fun cookies, yeah? I mean the lovely heart-shaped cookies well packaged in a yellow wrapper and with that distinct shortbread taste. Delicious cookies, I must say, and I actually restock every month. 
Anyways, so imagine my surprise when I found out that Fun Cookies is the flagship product of Fastizer's Foods and Confectionery Limited, a rapidly emerging food manufacturing company co-directed by husband and wife, Bola and Debbie Lawson. Interestingly, Bola and Debbie weren't co-directors from inception. Bola was actually a banker and on a fast rise to becoming a manager at the bank whilst supporting Debbie in the background as she built Fastizers. But come 2014, a need arose at Fastizers and Bola decided to quit his job at the bank and join Debbie. A tough decision, I must say. I mean, putting all your eggs in one basket. But then, the world's greatest investor and third richest man on the planet, Warren Buffett, once said, Keep all your eggs in one basket, but watch that basket closely. I guess that's what Bola and Debbie decided to do. Fastest Foods and Confectionery Limited started from a kitchenette in 2010 with very basic equipment and with 960 naira only. Today, Fastizers runs a two-acre automated production factory in Agbara, Ogun State, fitted with modern baking equipment. Their current distribution covers over 20 states with a production of over 600,000 Fastizers fun cookies daily. But then, COVID-19 hit this year. How did the pandemic affect Fastizers and how did they adjust? COVID had been a very interesting journey. You know, we did planning 2020, we didn't see it coming. Um, and yeah, it has exposed a lot of things, you know, um, and affected various businesses in different ways. You know? um, so for us, you know, it had an impact on the behavior of the consumers. It had an a serious impact on foreign exchange that now in turn had a very serious impact on um, cost of production and the kind of business we are in um, you know our products are 50 naira 100 naira products it is very very difficult to transfer um, incremental cost of production to the consumers you know this is coming in a year where you know we just had to absorb another 2.5 percent increase in tax you know from 5 percent to 7.5 percent and then just as we were um, you know, preparing and absorbing that, then COVID hit, you know, so that had a major impact. Um, but we've been able to cope with it quite well, you know. Um, thankfully, we are in the food space. So come what may, people still have to eat, you know. Um, so we've been able to manage that a bit from the demand perspective. From the cost perspective, we've all we definitely had to be very, very efficient with our, our cost structure. We had to be efficient with, um, you know, with our waste, our overhead and all of that. So, but by and large, you know, we've, you know, I once told someone that we are not hoping to survive COVID, we are hoping to succeed, you know, COVID. And then I think we are, things are getting better with time. When you say you managed it from demand perspective, what did you do? All right, so a number of things. Fortunately, um, so first things first, um, our products, right, we, we have a, a group or a portfolio of products, different 
target markets, different market segments. Um, so we have some products that are more focused to bottom of pyramid, you know, the 15 naira products and all of that. So, you know, what we just, what we did, you know, after the lockdown began to ease was to push a, more, a lot more marketing activities, both above the line and below the line activities on those cheap, seemingly cheaper product lines, you know, to push it more to the face of the consumers, let us let them know that this is here. You know, we there are some campaigns we did to say, you know what, while while at home that was during the lockdown, you know, while watching TV, you can have a snack and all of that. We believe that a combination of those marketing activities kind of, you know, you know, pushed attention to those product lines. Another thing we did was um, we have a product that um, generates a lot of waste and what we were doing before was we take the waste or we sell it to farmers but during this period we had an initiative to kind of make that product recycle it into another product so that kind of helped us in so we we recycle that you know waste and produce you know a product which we sell it to the market so that has kind of helped us to reduce that waste because when we sell it to the farmers we sell it as you know scrap which doesn't bring much income, but with this, we've been able to generate income for waste. Okay, that's great. That's great. You mentioned this change happened um, as the lockdown was easing off. So during the lockdown, how you guys stored activities, I would assume? Pretty much. So number one, there was issue moving around. We had issues getting the um, employees to the office that was there. Um, you had issues moving your products, you know, across the country for numerous reasons, you know. So it was, it was it was more or less a total lockdown. So that period, we more or less for two weeks, kind of completely stopped, you know, production activities. You know, for for some that could move, you know, we were able to move to some customers, but probably ten percent of the total customer base. So for two weeks, we had to stop. You know, operations and after that um, we we then um, started again you know again like you as you mentioned you know um, one of the things we also did we had to be a bit more um, e-commerce focused you know so we weren't big on e-commerce before we started looking at our e-commerce options how do we get our products into you know the e-commerce space and people knowing that okay while you buy other things online you could add these products to those bundles it's still coming up. It's definitely not there yet as, as much as we would like, but we, 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 we feel it's a step in the right direction as things unfold. So would you say the pandemic, so to say, pushed you guys to maybe explore alternatives that you wouldn't readily have explored and then it helped maybe push sales or maybe reach a new target audience and that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, so in entrepreneurship, it's either you innovate or you die. You know, that's that's the honest truth. You know, you have to consistently innovate. And there's this popular saying that necessity is the mother of invention. So definitely, when the pandemic pandemic started, we have to start asking ourselves, what do we do? What changes do we need to make? How do we change our business model? What new channels do we need to consider? Remember, we're into this, you know, snack, packet snack food business. So a major consumer for us are kids, you know, and then kids are home, you know. Yes, kids are home and that will have an impact on snacking. So normally the way kids behave, when they go to school, they get a snack 
And then when they come back home, you probably get another snack. So an average kid will probably snack maybe twice a day. Now, you probably snack once a day. So there might be an impact, you know, in that regard. We identified that possibility, you know, and then we then said, okay, right, let's try other channels that we had not focused on before to see if we can reach a higher end, you know, customer base and all of that. And then this year, 2020, is also Fastest's 10-year anniversary. It has been a long 10-year journey for Debbie and Bola with its ups and downs. First and foremost, I want to thank God that at least we were able to start because I hear that they say any company that exceeds, you know, most companies don't exceed, you know, five years. Yes, I heard that. So for us to have exceeded that, I think it's a great plus, you know, but it's kind of, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always try to adapt. You know, that's one thing I've learned, you know, over the course of, you know, our business is you always try to adapt, you know, to changes. So during this pandemic period, we were very open because we had an you know, experience in 2016 when there was a recession and we were kind of slow you know, in moving fast and that kind of affected us. But in this period, because we had learned from that experience, we were kind of okay. We came up to the round table to say, oh, what are we going to do? What changes are we going to make? You know, so that kind of, you know, we, it was if we were prepared because nobody expected it. But, you know, we had another experience and we didn't want that to be a call. So it was, we learned, you know, what we learned over that time, you know, we brought it into this year. So I would say that it's, it's, you know, in the course of business, you grow, you learn. So sure. it has been a journey of you know, learning and, you know, we are, we are not there yet. Even if we are 30 years, we're still hoping to get to 20 years, to get to 30. So we will keep, you know, things will come to disrupt, you know, operations. But for the fact that we are not going back, you know, so we'll keep adapting, you know, changing, you know, I think it's it's interesting. And looking back through the years, it's 10 years, what word comes to mind? I mean, from when it was just an idea and now you have a factory at Agbara, you have this office here, what what feeling comes to mind? Well, every time I think of this, it's, it's you're just seeing a dream, you know, a seed you know, turning into a big tree with fruits, you know, now you have a lot of staff, you know, that are benefiting from it. So not just the staff, even the, you know, vendors, the customers, you know, that are benefiting from it. It's like you're a mother, it's like a hen and a chick, you know, so it's, 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 I, I, I believe it's, um, there's so much, you know, potential. There's so much opportunity we have brought into the economy. So we are part of, we are contributing, you know, to our economy, and that gives me so much joy because I always love to see people smile. You know, I always love to see people happy for the fact that for the fact that I'm doing this to enable many people, and I'm not. We are not just going to stop here. We want many, many more people to benefit. You know, for what we're doing. I think that's what you know keeps us. We want to empower men and women for prosperity. That's our vision, and that's what drives us. And we see people coming more and more people are coming in. You know, to that chain, it, it gives me so much. Well, yeah. So you know, let me add a bit to that. I would say gratitude, gratitude. You know, thinking back ten years, it's very easy to live ten years and nothing much has changed. There are a lot of people that have lived the past 10 years of their lives and they've not changed significantly, they've not grown significantly, you know. This has grown from 916 from the first day, you know, and now you have 
you know, t- over 200, 250 people directly, you know, working with the organization right now, indirectly, probably 2,000 or thereabouts. So there's this sense of, you know, gratitude to say, you know, ah, wow, we've come so far, you know, one, one doesn't take that for granted because it's not, um, it's not a small journey. It's not a journey without its challenges. But as the challenges have come, we've been able to, you know, overcome one challenge after the other to get to where we are today. Yeah. What do you think has been most helpful for you on, on the journey? <clears throat> most helpful? Debbie, what has, <laughs> what has been most helpful for you? A few things come to mind, but let me hear Debbie. Okay, so I think for me, it's, um, it has kind of thought to me before, now, I used to be very um, kind of fixed on something. So before I can change, it takes a lot of push, a lot of, you know, to push me to change, you know, my position. But as I got into, you know, this business, you know, I see that, you know, you can't, you can't be fixed. You know, you have to deliberately open yourself for changes because things can happen if you're fixed. And so, and anything happens, it's very difficult, you know, but when you are open, even before things happen, you know, you just begin to, okay, what are we going to do? What are we, instead of being fixed. So along this, you know, this journey, you know, I've learned to be open-minded. So, so it has really, really taught me. I'm sure Bella can testify to that. It has taught me to be open I'm open to opportunities. So I don't block my mind. So that's one of the things I've learned, you know, about the journey. Yeah, so, you know, to respond to that, you know, the word that came to mind is adaptability. Okay. Adaptability is the word that came to mind that, you know, we, we've always been able to adapt to whatever comes our way. Um, vision, you know, because there are times when what you what you see does not reflect where you are, you know, and but we keep our eyes on the future and what can be, and we don't let where we are, you know, distract us from going there. We keep on pushing towards the vision that we see, you know, adaptability, vision, um, partnership and trust has helped. Now, because like you know, we are um, what they call co-preneurs, that is couples in business together. And um, we have divergent strengths. So Debbie is strong in where I'm weak, and then I am weak in where she's strong. And as a matter of fact, we say all the time that, or I say that, without Debbie, pastizas, if, if I was the only one managing pastizas, pastizas probably would not be where it is today. And then without me, you know, pastors also probably will not be where it is today. So that complementing partnership, you know, has also helped us a lot in, in driving this. So when some one person is discouraged, the other person is saying, no, let's go on, or just picks the ball, you know, picks the ball and keeps, keeps things going. Then, you know, when the other person is discouraged, one of the other person then picks the ball and keeps things going. So I, those three things, amongst other things, but majorly those three things are the first things that come to mind. So adaptability, vision, and partnerships. Yes. Put together. So riding on Bola's comment on complement and partnership, what are Bola and Debbie's strengths and weaknesses, and how do they complement each other? Okay, so um, I'm very good, you know, in operations. So I try to handle the day-to-day operations of the organization. So 
That's why I, I, I oversee the supply chain for the organization. So Gola is very good with strategy. So he's a futuristic human being. He sees the future, even though right now, over the years, of course, I've come to learn, oh, I can't just be doing operation. You know, I, I have to learn to, you know, strategize, you know, I have to join in. So that's, um, that's okay. one of the, we just trained. So, you know, this, let me give you a story of something that happened, you know, when she went to give birth in the U.S. And, you know, I had to do a bit more operation. So, transfer, doing transfers and doing all of that. That was when I really appreciated what she does, you know. Because whenever I want to, is either I want to transfer 100,000 to someone and mistakenly transfer 1 million, or I want to transfer, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to transfer 1 million to Mr. A, I mistakenly transfer the 1 million to Mr. B. In the space of one week of her traveling, I probably had made mistakes like five times. <laughs> you know, at, at that point, I have to pass and say, I can't deceive you, I can't do this thing. Take the token, don't do everything from wherever. Thank God it was online, you know. So in terms of operations, you know, um, she's strong in keeping things going. I like new challenges. I don't like routine stuff, you know. So that is where the balance is. What, and then you know that in business, Without managing what is on ground, you cannot achieve what is ahead. And if you stick only with what is on ground, you will never grow beyond. And if you are not growing, you are dying. So that is where the you know perfect synergy comes into place. You know, okay. with, of balance and all of Interesting that. Interesting to see. Now I know that also there could also be a clash between someone who's operations focused and there's someone who's strategy focused and future minded. Operations would would maybe think focus on the now, we need to get this done and they won't maybe fully grasp. Maybe as they're talking about the future, maybe they're rolling their eyes and that sort of thing. And then you, you the future guy, are thinking, this is where we're headed, we need to go there. How did that happen, that friction? That's why I said I'm, I'm more open now. Okay. First, you know, I was, no, this is what we're going to do, let's stick to it. So even when he's saying about um, the future and these are the things we need to bring in new products and i'm saying see we've not even satisfied our demand we need to you know our, our demands are you know increasing we need to stick to it attend to customers you know i was but like i said when we had that experience in 2016 i'm sure we'll talk about that it kind of opened that you know was a turnaround for me opened the seat you need to change you can't you know be you are in a in a, an industry where innovation is very key, adaptability and all is very key. So, so that kind of so anytime is right now. In fact, if it's four years ahead of me, I'm like three years. Or like before, four years, and I'm three years you know, behind. And all. But right now, it's you know the gap is you know closing. You know very very fast. But to balance that, right? Um, you know, you could easily have made mistakes when you are overly driven. Sure. So there was a time when I was like, ah, let's go and start new product, let's do this, let's do that. And she was like, chill. And then in chilling, we're able to strengthen the base. So, you know, sometimes businesses make that mistake also of not strengthening. So, for example, if you look at the Amazon story, they started with books. And then before they you know, diversified into other areas, they were known 
as a strong brand in that sector. So again, there was a little bit of balance there. So maybe, if not because she was like, let's calm down a bit, we would have put our hands in too many things and not be able to hold it together. So there's a place for, for, for innovation and there's also a place for focus. Yeah. One of the things that has worked for us is if there is no level of agreement, you know, so we we'll always discuss, we might have divergent views, but we will discuss, we would find, then when we have some level of neutral peace, even if the peace is, I don't see it, but I'm willing to, I see it a bit, I'm willing to trust you to go ahead with whatever it is that you say, even if that is it, then it is enough to, you know, to go ahead with. There are times when, because you are not sure, you are not sure if moving would work. You are also not 100% sure if staying put is the best move, you know, so always, we always have to be in sync before we take any position and that's how we managed it. So. Initially, were there days where, I don't know, you guys would argue and then you wouldn't talk to yourselves, you take it home and then have disagreements and that sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, before we, before we started, right, Debbie and I have been friends for eight years. So we met on our first day in school. Okay. First day in university, we met. Obviously, we didn't start dating immediately. We're classmates, we're classmates, you know. So we kn- and we've known ourselves all the while. How did you meet, sorry? All right, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> but we will come back to that. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, in school, we went to Lasso and we were meant to come for registration, I remember August 12, 2002. And uh, I was on the queue. I was on the queue and uh, for registration, medical registration. And um, so I just saw a friend of mine we had done, um, we did um, GCE together when I was in SS2. And so I just greeted him, oh, buddy, how are you? And Bola was also his friend, so Bola came with me. And so he introduced Bola to me and said, oh, Debbie, meet Bola. And you know, Bola is a very sharp guy. Very, very jovial and sharp. And immediately Bola just took over the conversation. Ah, how are you? And you know, started talking and we started discussing. And at a point, I think Bode left. And so I was, I was now, you know, chatting with Bola and all of that. So he, they, okay, no, they, we had done, they had done their registration. So I was still, I think I was waiting for a friend and all of that. And Bola still waited for me you know, till we finished and that day we went home together, you know, that was how you know, we became friends. Why did you wait? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, so it wasn't, I think it was, it wasn't pre-planned, honestly speaking, it wasn't pre-planned. I think it was just in where it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to add to what she said, what really happened was, you know, so when you are doing registration, there is, you register for library, register, register for each department and all of that. So we were registering for library. That was where we met. And then we left, you know, we left and we went to register. We went to the next phase of registration. So, but we kept space for them, which is, okay, you know, yeah. we kind of, so when they came, they didn't join the queue from the back. They came to just came and then joined us where we were. So we kind of were on the same um, on the same um, level at that time in the registration process, so that was that was actually the waiting, you know. And then from there, from so because we are now um, at the same level, we just went through the remaining of the process together, 
And afterwards, we started gisting. And then um, when it was time to go home, you know, public transport, we took public transport together and then we went. You know, so it wasn't really like waited for her to finish. We waited for her in line. You know, that was what really, that was what really happened. And then how that you guys became friends and then you were about to answer the question on the reefs and the... Yeah, so, the you know, obviously, so in eight years, you know, so between 2000 and... and um, so between 2002 and 2010, when she started, we had known our strengths and weaknesses, you know, and, you know, to doubt that. So, but beyond that, when we started cutting and when we got married, got married in 2011, there were some things we agreed that we were not going to fight overnight, no matter what, till today. I'm not sure, maybe the number of times that we've, that a disagreement or has lasted till the next day, just forgive, you know, and move on, you know, address the issues, forgive and move on, maybe less than five incidences in nine years. You know, so to that extent, do we have differences? I can tell you, the first day we went on marketing, as in active marketing for fasties as we fought, the first day we moved from her sister's kitchen to the shop, moved out, you know, these are kind of like a landmark events, we fought because, you know, we we I'm a very fast-paced person. Let's move. Let's do. Let's go now. She's more conservative. So I'm like, let's go. She's here. I'm coming. I say I can't wait for you again. So things like that always happen, but we've always had a way of managing it. So when we're meant to go for marketing, I didn't say I'm angry, so I won't go for the marketing again. I'd rather say, you know what? Just do what you are doing. I'll go for the marketing without you. You know, that is number one. Number two is Debbie is also very patient. You know, so hardly in the office will you see us argue. You know, if she has a divergence, you can see she's very calm. So if she has a divergence, she's just the same calmness, you know, you know, and there's, you know, not to be overly scriptural. There's something in the Bible that says a gentle was turns away strife. So no matter your gra gra, that time she just comes calmly, you two, you must comport yourself and just be calm, you know. So that has worked a lot for us, you know, and then whatever happens outside the space of the office, we take it back home, we address it, and then we move ahead, you know. Yes, you will have some things that you won't like, you can't give her a memo, you can't, there's nothing you can do. So, there's nothing you can do to her if she drops the ball, and there's nothing she can do to me if I drop the ball. So, sometimes that's, that's an issue, how do I communicate to this person? So, you just have to talk about it and trust that they are trying their best all the time. And we also, you know, before he joined, you know, we also said that we were not going to argue, you know, or fight in the presence of our staff. No matter what, we had that agreement. No matter what happens, we were not going to show any, you know, form of argument or, you know, fight or quarrel, rather, you know, in the presence of our staff. And over the years, that has happened. Yes, yeah. really, then, really made that happen. And then empathy and communication has worked a lot. Mm. Empathy in the sense that we look at, you know, we take peace over being right. You know, so it's not about who is right, it's what, let's, what do we need to do for peace to reign. So it allows you to see things from the other person's perspective. If you do that, what you discover is that the tendency for conflict, you know, would be less. So it's not just making her understand me, but also actively trying to understand 
you know, what, what she's trying to say. I and mean, she's not, you know, she's a normal human being. She must yeah. have a point of view. So if I understand her point of view, I'm able to say, okay, you know what, I understand you, but this is where I think, you know, so we always have that communication. But this was learned over time. Over time, definitely, over time, over a long time. Curiously, Debbie and Bola had studied electronics and computer engineering at the university. How then did they find themselves in the food manufacturing business? And how were the early years of fastest? Find out after the short break. I'm Oshaye, and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hello, dear listener. As we prepare to wrap up this season, our very first, I have a favor to ask. Would like your feedback to help us in our plans for the next season. What did you like? What didn't you like? What would you like us to start doing, stop doing, or even continue doing? To get your response, we've created a simple form. Please check the show notes of this episode for the link and our social media pages at Origins AF on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can simply type bit.ly slash Origins Africa podcast feedback right now to access the form. B-I-T. B for bread, I for interview, and T for table. bit.ly slash Origins Africa podcast feedback. I look forward to receiving your response. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Thank you. Hi guys, welcome back to Origins Africa podcast. So how did Bola and Debbie, graduates of electronics and computer engineering, transition into the FMCG industry? I would say that as a young, you know, lady, I wanted to, you know, be an employee. I didn't dream of ever owning my own business, you know, being an employer. So I wanted to fly, you know, in my career, maybe being a management, you know, staff of an organization, you know. So I I remember in hundred level, I have a passion, you know, to bake and cook. You know, I love to delight people with good food, you know. So when we had um, a strike in hundred level, I said instead of sitting at home, let me go and learn how to bake. Now I learned how to bake not because I wanted to go into business but so that when I have, you know, a guest come to my house, instead of the conventional meals that you give, you can do varieties, you know, and the time, you know, that guest is leaving, I want my food to be, even if you forget about me, you won't <laughs> forget about that food. So that was, you know, what's, you know, be the passion that made me go learn how to bake cookies and cake. Now in 200 level, you know, the last birthday, you know, I had to bake the cookies, you know, and the cake for him. And so... Were you guys dating then? Sorry. 200 level. Just very close. We were very close, but okay. not... Yes, we were very close, but not. So I baked the cookies and the cake. And, you know, everybody loved the cookies, you know, the cake. And at that time, he told me, he said, Ah, Debbie, you can sell these cookies. <laughs> ah, I looked at him with my engineering, with these sleepless nights, you know, studying hard. And, uh, in fact... I must confess, I rejected it. And you know, a lot of times they say that, you know, then we had this, uh, when angels pass, when you say a negative word, and angels will pass, they'll just stamp it, you know. So I always say that I thank God that that day, 
did the angel, angel no angel passed because I rejected the facts. I said, ah, no, 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 no. And so we went on, you know. So when I finished, you know, service, you know, I came back home and then I was really, really, you know, hoping that I would work in an oil company or a bank because I'd done my internship in the bank. So I was saying, well, I'm sure I will get an opportunity, you know, to work in either of these organizations. So I remember when I served, you know, I made a commitment to God because I had, you know, learned or heard that, you know, the number of jobs, you know, compared to the, you know, number of applicants, you know, were very, you know, minimal, small. And so I was saying, God, I don't want to struggle, you know, to work. I don't, once I finish my service, you know, I want to get a job. And I remember I made a commitment. I said, I was going to sow my seeds, my NYC salary. I said, all of it, you know, I'd learned, you know, sowing at a very young age, you know, so I said, God, let's strike this agreement. I'll do that. And once I'm done, I want you to do your own part. So I finished school, you know, went back home. You know, where I learned how to bake is not so far from my house at that time. So when I got home, I was applying, you know, for, you know, jobs. And so a week later, I remember um, the um, MD of that bakery, you know, she came to the house, you know, to me. Ah, Debbie, since you're at home, why not come join me? You know, she was introducing, you know, a cake mass production at that time. Why not join me to manage you know, this aspect. I was excited because it's what, you know, I love to do. So I said, okay, it's fine. So I got in there, I think a week after, you know, I started, you know, work there and I virtually did everything. So I was a production person. I was the HR, I was the procurement, I was the marketer. I was those things I didn't even like to do marketing at that time, you know, I was doing everything and I did it with the whole you know, of my, I didn't even know, you know, God is, was just planting me there, you know, to understand what business, you know, was and all of that. But I remember, I did it, you know, with the whole of my heart at that time. So there was a particular day we had an, you know, urgent order, you know, to produce cookies. So we do cookies, but, and cakes but for events. So not, you know, mass production. And we had an urgent order to supply cookies, you know, the next day. So we had to do night, of course, I was, you know, when you enjoy something, it's not, you know, it doesn't really stress you. So it was fine. And so while we were packing that cookies, I remember I got an inspiration, you know, to, to also, you know, sell the cookies into the retail space. You know, that was where the first idea came. And I just ignored the thoughts. And, you know, I was still hoping, you know, for my bank job and all of that. So I ignored the thoughts. Two weeks later, I remember my sister came home and said to me, Oh, Debbie, somebody brought cookies to my office, so, and people didn't really like it. So I want to, I introduced you, you know, that my sister does very good cookies. So I said, wow. And that thought just came. So it just connected, kind of. And I said, okay, um, let me give it an opportunity. So I remember I went to the market with 1,000 naira, and I bought all my ingredients, and I came back with 40 naira. So I always say, fast as I started with 960 naira. Of course, what I would have done, you know, I always tell people is that I would have just gone to my boss's, you know, company, taking her flour and everything to produce. But foundation is very key. So I would have used someone else's, you know, um, capital or money to start, you know, my business. But no, I learned that at a very early age, you know. So I went to the market with my money 
and you know bought those ingredients but what i did was of course i didn't have oven and everything so i had to you know produce it in you know where the bakery and so i gave my sister 20 packs the next day it was plain nylon there was no sticker so it was just plain you know but sealed and i told her okay take give the woman that wants to sell give her one pack and you know you and let her sell 19 packs at about 12 you know How that day I gave her 80, 80 naira, you know, it was 100 naira, so she would resell at 100 naira. So at about 12, you know, that day she called back and said it has finished. Ah, I said, Obalin did this time, I won't be able to come. But the next day, you know, that I will give her because I still had some left. So I remember I had 50 packs left, so I gave it to her. And that same day, she finished it. So I started giving her, this was plain nylon, there was no sticker. So she, as I gave her 50, 50 packs, I think about a week later, 100, 100, and she was selling everything every day, 100, 100 packs. And I looked at it. So at that time, I'd not told Gola about it. So I think I had done it like two weeks, you know, because one, you know, I was very, I was still looking forward to my job. And I know that Gola is an entrepreneur from birth. <laughs> and I know that if I should tell Gola this thing as in, from the onset, ah, he would just, you know, try to, you know, just because he's a fast-paced person. I said, oh, no, let's keep, let's go. Yeah, this is good. And so I was trying to kind of keep it. Let me just see how this thing, you know. Yeah. But I think after two weeks, I couldn't hold it anymore. I had to, oh, well, I see, I started this thing. And this is, you know, how it's going. We are selling 100 packs. You know, so we started discussing with it. Wow, if you put sticker on this thing, you know, and we'll get more rich. You know, we need, you know, the design. And immediately picked up his phone, started calling the person that would design the sticker. Okay, what name are we going to give? You know, it was a... Simple, like, pull down now, pull down, you know, pull down. But so we got the name, and the name came out of who I am, Fun Cookies. So, like I said, I love to delight people with food. So when you eat anything, you know, for me, it needs to be fun, exciting, you know, you'll be happy. You know, that was where the name came from, the fun, the fun cookies. You know, so we got the designer to design, you know, we got the stickers. So, of course, because we had put stickers in it. I started going to those supermarkets. The supermarkets, I went to sell the cakes, you know, for my for the bakery at that time. So, of course, because they had known me, so acceptance was very, you know, I didn't struggle to get it. So, you have brought um, cookies today and everything. And, you know, they accepted it. So How many were you supplying then? I think I was supplying 2 of 12, a dozen at that time. And the feedback was also very positive. You know, oh, so they bring more and all of that. So I think about them maybe one month into the business, you know, Bala said, oh, now we have to kind of get more rich, you know, more customers, more people to experience the product. And that was where he said when he came, you know, we had to fight because I was busy producing, you know, packing and he waited and we were meant to go together. So he waited and waited. And because, of course, I was kind of delaying, you know, so he said, okay, I'll go on my own. So he took 18 packs and um, went to Celebo Store. You know, those cat pushers that sell gala, you know, ice cream, you know, he went to them, he went to one of them. You know, of course, it was later he told me that he went to some other places and they had rejected him, but of course. So when he was now going home, he just saw these guys on the, you know, at the bus stop. and said, okay, let me try this, you know, people. And he went, he sold to the first person. He said, see, don't give me money. Just take these six packs. If you don't sell it on Monday, it was on a Saturday, I will come and buy it from you. So, of course, he didn't have anything to lose, so he collected it, took his number, went to the next person, the same script, went to the third person, you know, but while he was marketing, somebody came and bought one, 
from, from him. So that kind of encouraged the retailer. So it was only that retailer that paid him you know, the money. So he collected their numbers. So he got back home, called me, gave me these, those the three numbers. So when I got home, no, on Monday, sorry, on Monday morning, I, I was excited, you know, I called the three of them. And I called the first person, ah, madam, it's not finished, they, 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 that day when you bring them, he finished, 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 because we not get your number, we not call, ah, I was like, okay, bring more. I was excited. I called the next person, the same story, the, the, the finished, the sixth person finished that same Saturday. The third person finished that same Saturday, I was excited. So I took 12, 12 packs and went. You know, that was how we were supplying those retailers 12, 12. Every day. Every day. In fact, we, at the time, we increased it to three, three dozens. And now, because it's a, it was a fast-moving fast product, you know, they had to introduce it to their other, you know, friends around that were selling. And so at that time, we had about 12 people we were selling every day to three, three dozens we were giving them. So at a while, I couldn't cope with my... How long had just continued for? Three months. Okay. We had done three months. I couldn't cope because, you know, my at the bakery then, you can't do any personal work until you are done. So there were some times I have to close by 12, 1. But though it wasn't far from my house, 1 a.m. the next day, I, would, I remember I would run from the... If I would tell my sister to wait for me, you know, at the gates, and I would run. 1 a.m.? Yes, everywhere was warm. Wow. It was dark. So I would run, you know, to meet her. You know, and that the stress was kind of... I couldn't combine it, too, so I had to you know, resign after three months. But I had learned a lot. And I think that was what, you know, God just wanted me you know, to learn, and I am so, I'm so glad that, you know, like I said, whatever you find, the Bible says, whatever you find your hands to do, say, do it, because you never can tell you. I, I didn't know, I was still hoping, you know, waiting for my job and everything, but, you know, I had learned a lot. So, I, at that time, we had to buy, and three months without pay, I must say, three months without pay. And that's why the I say- The proceeds you know, from the cookies you were selling, you were investing into the business yes, with was, the profit as well. Yes, I was. Of course, at that time, I didn't even know. I, I didn't, we had not, you know, separated, but we had not done any accounting. We were just selling at that first time, of course, because we were just trying to see, you know, what's, how this will play out. So and being the natural time, operations person, you could manage the funds and then put it back into the business. Yes, exactly, at that time. so. So three months I left. So, you know, Bola had to take his salary then to, you know, to buy the, um, the small oven that we had, you know, the mixers, small, we had to buy small mixers, you know, so in my sister's kitchen. After three months, you resigned. Yes. And then you decided to scale the business. Yes. Then the need came for getting the ovens yes. and the mixers. And how much did you need at that point? Well, it was, I don't think we, Spent maybe like 50k or so. The, the first the first mixer, so the first thing she bought was the mixer, mm -hmm. um, that was 25,000. Okay, yeah, then it was second hand mixer, yeah, so it was 25,000. I gave her 25,000 from my salary mm -hmm. because just immediately after she left, you know, where she was working, she didn't have a mixer, but she was using her sister's oven, oh, yeah, you know, but then that's that oven wasn't very good. And then we had to buy another oven, so we bought another um, second-hand oven for twenty-five thousand. So that was the first set of um, equipment, equipment that we got. Okay, so I started producing. I, I I got a staff at that time, you know, and I got a delivery, you know, person at that time. So we started. Where were we delivering to? That same seller. 
to the retailers. We had about two of at that and time. And these were these guys who were pushing the trolleys, yes. so the delivery guy was supplying. Yes, okay. and we were also supplying a few uh, supermarkets around okay. at that time. So on an average, how many delivery, how many parts were you delivering daily? Okay, we like we were 100, 150. Yeah, about 12, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, about that. But interestingly though, sorry, we'll come back to this. But when she came to meet you and then told you two weeks after she had started baking for her sister, and what what were you thinking? What came to your mind at that point she came to meet you? Honestly, honestly, you know, um, honestly, <laughs> right? Um, one of my mentors, from afar was my pastor. And I'd seen how that's Pastor Taiwo Dukoya. And then if you can remember Pastor Bimbo, blessed memory of how he supported her in being the best she could be. So I, it was in me. No, it was, no matter what she said, it wasn't because it was the cookies at that time. No matter what, even she said she wanted to sell Biro, I would have um, encouraged her. You know, that, that was one. Also because I knew that Debbie was more conservative. She would have preferred a nine to five. You know, for her to come out and say, I've done this, it was like, wow, jackpot. And she needed all the, I didn't want her to sense any negative vibe. Because if I had not shown passion, I'm sure she's hearing this for the first time. If I had not shown passion, if I had shown any level of negativity, it might, it might not, but it might have discouraged her, you know, and all of that. So that was the first thing, you know. But secondly is um, business and business models come naturally to me. No matter how basic the business is, I'm always thinking, okay, what's the business model? Is it scalable and all of that? So, and, you know, just to digress a bit, that came from, you know, so how did I get into engineering? You know, I got into engineering because I like solving problems. I just like the concept of problem solving, you know. And, you know, as a child, when you say, what do you want to do? You don't see doctors as problem solvers. You don't see lawyers as problem solvers. You see accountants as bookkeepers. The people that you think solve problems are the engineers, you know. So that was, honestly, that was where my desire for engineering came so from. It was deliberate, you chose it. Yeah, I chose it. I filled my jam for myself, myself, you know, nobody was there. You know, I chose engineering. I wanted to be an engineer and that was the reason why I wanted to be an engineer, you know. And then, after a while, you know, I discovered that problem solving was not limited to engineering alone, you know. So, that, so bringing that back to her story, the moment she told me, oh, amen, that I'm doing this, I began to see the opportunities, in there and then so that was where all the vibes of okay let's how do we put structure to this how do we grow this what are the do's and don'ts to ensure that this continues to grow and then i wanted to encourage her to be the best that she could be you know so that was where all of that came from okay um so after he had blue needs after you told him and you went back home uh were you all popped up to go execute based on the ideas that he had shared or were you maybe thinking, how's this going to work? Um, can I do it? Am I good enough? That's okay. It. So, when we left, of course, at that point in time, I think the, the you know, drive for, you know, 
um, working, being an employee, you know, working for some began to reduce because okay. I was beginning to see, you know, greater opportunities, you know, that this thing is selling, people are buying. Of course, so when we, when we, you know, discussed, we wanted to get more people, you know, so it was, it was kind of a shift. So I wasn't, the drive was reducing to, as in to want to work for someone. So started shifting and after a while of course it shifted completely because I was saying you know the opportunities were great. Did you have fears even mm. though you were saying the opportunities? Did you have fears? Okay so I think fears I don't think so. What even if I had fears but because Bola was you know kind of supporting you know that kind of reduced you know the fear because at that time, even if I needed anything, I could, like I said, well, I say, like you said, he's a problem solver. So once you get to him, no matter if he has to call anybody, if he, if he has to connect to anybody to ensure that, okay, this issue is solved, he will do that. So, so that, that really, really helped. So maybe if I was like on my own, you know, that would have really... The fears would have been. So, even if anything went wrong, you could yes. have been wrong to Bola, and yes. Bola would fix it for you. Yes, because he, he has been supportive, you know, even right from school days. And so, I knew that, of course. And this was, it was the kind of person he is. He wasn't as he was forming, or so it's he, he was, that was him. So, I think that gave me a bit of confidence to say, okay, okay let me keep going. He's supporting me, let me keep going. Okay, and, and apart from that, even behind. You know, even if I say that I was at the forefront, he was, the strategy, everything, he was behind it. So, call, calls, how many people have we supplied today, you know, he, so you will know that he's involved, you know, he was, he was really involved, you know. So, you never felt alone? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. At that time. Let me ask you, that one of the things that worked, honestly, was, you know, the execution part of Debbie. So... I'm sure whenever we say let's do this, you know, we will probably meet on on on, on the weekend. Okay. Say, okay, how is everything going? Let's do. And we're not married. Remember, let's do this. By the time we are meeting the next weekend, everything that we agreed she was going to do, she would have done. So that was encouraging. You know, that was very encouraging for me because she always went ahead to execute those things. So that was very very um, encouraging. Okay. Then you give the loan for the, the 25,000 euro loan, got yes, it over and the yes. mixer started supplying 100 packs daily. More, more than 100 to 150. The 25,000 euro loan, got it over and the mixer started supplying 100 packs daily. More, more than 150. So what happened afterwards? Okay, so of course we sat down to discuss again and he said, so by then, you know, I, um, our demand started increasing and my sister's kitchen now kind of became small, you know. Of course, because he had to cook, he had to wait for them to finish cooking and all of that. So he came, he said, Debbie, we have to get food from your sister's kitchen. So at that time, I was wondering, we get money and all of that. But like I said, Bola is always, you know, ahead of time. So he had gone to get agents and we had to move, you know, to it. So we finally got a two-room shop in Oshodi. So on the day we were even meant to move, like I said, we fought because I wasn't even, you know, he had done everything, we had paid, you know. How did you get the money? All right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know so, um, you know, so she moved, you know, like she said, she moved from the, you know, squatting in a place to her sister's kitchen. And we agreed that the kitchen was small. 
and we needed to raise 250,000 naira at that time. You know, so I can't remember what I was earning, but 250,000 naira was a lot of money for me. So I remember, I think we went to my brother and then I, I didn't just go to him and say, ah, say, well, Debbie has a business. We did a business plan of what we had done um, six months prior to that time, how much, and okay, can you borrow 250,000 naira? We're going to repay you 50,000 naira every month for the next five months and all of that. So he loaned us. Why did you feel the need to do that as against just going to meet him and telling him? You know, so first things first, you know, um, something happened to me when I was in 300 level. And, you know, it, it could have been a negative, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, I was in 300 level in Lasso, and we've had, we had a six month strike when we were in 100 level. Then we had another six months strike in 300 level. At that particular time, all my siblings, I'm the last of five siblings, at that time, all my siblings somehow were abroad. And I'm like, everybody's abroad. Me too, I want to go abroad. You know, everybody, if you contribute, let me come abroad. I will work and I will school. People are doing it, you know. And it didn't happen. You know, nobody really, I didn't, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand, I, you know, the first reaction was these guys are just being wicked. And then the second reaction was, you know, so my brother, my our firstborn called me and told me, see, have, it's not, don't think that the fact that we are here is easy. We have our own problems, obviously I'm paraphrasing. And then I came to the root shock that really no one owes you anything. And everything you are going to get, you have to earn. So, when I was approaching my brother, I knew that he didn't owe me anything. I knew that just going to tell him, brother, I need 200k, does not mean he was going to give me 200k, but I need to show some level of value add, you know? So, I couldn't go to the bank because the bank wasn't going to take us seriously at that time. So, I was like, okay, if I'm going to approach him, let me present my case in such a way that at least I appear to be serious. You know, so that was what informed, you know, doing that. That's number one. Number two was structure. I've always had structure in my mind. So I'm not sure for how long Debbie ran the business from her pocket because the moment we found out, one of the things from day one, every transaction must yeah. go through the bank. Yeah. So even though she didn't have a bank account, you know, we agreed we are going to be paying a salary. Maybe it was 20,000 naira a month, you know, from day one. So I I'd already had that mindset, I, you know, maybe I learned it from the training school of the bank that had worked, but I had that mindset of putting structures from the very beginning. So that helped also in presenting that half page. Obviously, I'm not sure it was the grandioseness of my plan that made my brother give me. Yeah, or maybe just, I don't know, but he then, he then loaned us the money and then um, I took another loan because we had to we had to make a lot of expenditure. I think everything was about five hundred thousand. You know, I took a loan from a microfinance bank, two hundred and fifty thousand. We had to rent the shop. You know, we had to put furniture. We had to then buy more ovens and then buy more mixers. You know, so everything then buy raw materials. So nobody, I don't think we were getting credit at that time. So everything came to about five hundred thousand. So I took two hundred and fifty thousand from my brother, the 250,000 from the from the bank, and then we kind of spread it. I'm not sure, was it at the same time? We took, I think it was about the same time. time yeah. It was about the same time yeah. that we took that money, 500,000, and that's how we, and we're able to, from the turnover, 
of the business, we knew we would be able to, to pay, pay back, you know. Yeah. We knew we would be able to pay back. And then, you know, you spoke about fair. You know, I think one of the things that worked for us was that we started really small mm-hmm. and we're growing at our pace. So there was no time that we needed so much money that we couldn't get, you know. So even when we get borrowing the 500,000, we knew that, okay, from the turnover, by the time we pay all our raw materials, we, we will be able to repay that. Is that the question? Yes. And another thing, you know, Bala said at that time was when he looked at the books, because at that time, you know, when I told him he had created an Excel, you know, for my accounting at that time. So everything we sell daily, we were posting, everything we spend, you know, we were posting. So he said, so now we calculated, you know, the months, and he said, even if we don't increase our sale, you know, that was how we were able to come up to that amount. Even if we don't increase our sale, if we are selling the same thing, except it goes worse, it would be a problem. But if we were selling the same thing, we would be able to pay, you know, this amount. So that also helps. Then you're supposed to move and then you have a fight. <laughs> yes, we had a fight. Of course, I finally moved on a Saturday. So I finally moved to that place. You know, we got more stuff and we started, you know, producing. Now, at that time, our capacity had increased because we had incurred, you know, bought more equipment. So we had to go to Oshodi. You know, the same strategy we used at Celebus with the cat pushers. We had to do the same at Osho. So we went to them, those cat pushers. See, take this, but don't pay me. You know, after maybe the next day, I will come. If you don't sell it, I will come and buy. You know, interestingly, I remember that day before I got to my office, because I trekked back, you know, I got a call from one of them to say that I, I finished selling. You know, I was very excited, you know. So I think we got two people the first day, you know, I had to go back because it was not, not much of a distance anyway, you know, but I had to go back to supply. So we, you know, from there, from two people, we got three. They said there were not that many. I think we got about five people, retailers that we were supplying. Of course, so we had, you know, gotten um, Oshodi, sorry, gotten Oshodi. Now we had to move to, I think Mushin was the next place. We moved to the same script. If you don't sell, you know. We was had, there uh, deliberateness to the move? Or it was just random, like moving yeah. from Seller to Shudi to Mushi. I think it was just closeness, okay. the places that were close to us at that time. So Mushi was the next close place, close place to Shudi. Then the next place was a Keja, you know. So we went same to the Keja, the same strategy. But the, 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 the interesting thing is, if I should call it interesting, these people don't pay you. So you supply them on credit in the morning, and in the evening, you go back to collect your money. Some of them might not even give you the Even if you don't see your product, they will tell you to wait. You know, oh, wait, let's sell. So, of course, they have used your money to pay somebody else. You know, so it was very, very challenging at that time. But we moved to Ikeja. We got, you know, few retailers too. I think we moved to Yanopaja. So, at that time, we had almost 50 retailers we were supplying every day at those different points. But we had to go back, you know, to collect the money. So, it was kind of, and some of them would even run away with your money. And so that because it was not, it was just a temporary space. It's only as if they had a shop, you know. So from there, they know that maybe they are owing a lot of people and they can't pay. Maybe they've used it to sort their personal issues. They will just run away. So the risk was becoming very high, you know, we were losing money. And so we came back again and said, okay, how are we going to, you know, solve this issue? So, as fast as that business grew rapidly, so also did the risk. And they were losing money. How did Debbie and Bola address this challenge? How did they also navigate other hurdles 
that came up along the way, including the economic recession of 2016. Find out next week on Origins Africa podcast. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Our sound producer this week was Tumisha Jani, and the theme song was composed by Just Ritimi. I'm Oshaya, and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now. Hear the tales of those before you Let their stories motivate you What you